Out of Oklahoma City, you're listening to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where movies are more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a member of the Good Trash Media family and is sponsored in part by SadMenForLonelyWomen.com. Sad Men for Lonely Women, because at some point or another, somebody stopped loving you. Hello everybody and welcome again to the Good Trash Owner Cast, where a bunch of people gather around a table and we talk about the films that you never see film studies analysis applied to. In this case, we'll be looking at Wild Wild West. Uh, we are continuing with our Fresh Prince February Marathon. In honor of Black History Month, we're looking at the films of Will Smith, which is probably a slap in the face to Black History Month that we end it with Wild Wild West. Yeah, but we really should have done Denzel movies. Uh, yeah, totally, because bad. Anyway, we'll talk more about that very, very shortly. We need to first and foremost, though, identify the disembodied voices speaking directly into your brain through your ear holes in your generic MP3 playing devices. We have a special guest host this week, and so I go to you first, ma'am, to my right. Who are you? Uh, my name is Kirsten Thurkelson, and never drum on a white lady's boobies at a redneck party. Words to live by, unless you're a redneck, and then it's probably okay. But moving right along to uh, her right, my right also, sir, who are you? My name is Dalton Stewart, and West, Jim West, Desperada, Rough Rider, no, you don't want nada, none of this, brother running this. Buffalo Soldier, look, it's like I told you, any damsel that's in distress is going to be out that dress when she meets Jim West. All right. Well, thanks for that, uh, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Uh, let's go around to the left now, sir. Who are you? Uh, my name is Caleb Masters, and uh, I think this concludes uh, tonight's festivities. Ladies, feed Dalton to the crabs. <laughs> there are so many jokes, and I will make none of them. Thank you very much, Mr. Caleb Masters. Uh, ma'am, to my left, identify yourself also, please. My name's Alexandra Bohannon, and Caleb, not every situation calls for your patented approach of shoot first, shoot later, shoot some more, and then when everyone's dead, try and ask a question or two. Excellent, excellent. That is a very, very sound piece of advice, ma'am. I appreciate it greatly. My name is Dustin Sells, and I refuse to give any lines from this film because I don't want to either be racist or make fun of people with handicaps. And, <laughs> we can be fun of <laughs> and so I am not going to play. Uh, but I'm Dustin Sells, and I'm glad to be here talking Wild Wild West with you all. Again, we have Kirsten Thurkelson on the show uh, this week as a special guest host. She is the frightful femme, the frequent columnist the regular weekly columnist on the Good Trash Media Network. She writes about, well, I don't know. Why don't you just tell us? What do you write about? Um, I look at horror movies uh, through a feminist lens. Occasionally it gets a little academic. Uh, most of the time it does not. <laughs> um, but, and there's uh, almost always a dick joke. Oh, is that not why people read it? That's why I read it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> read it for the dick jokes. <laughs> come, uh, come for the horror analysis, stay for the dick jokes. Thank you very much, Miss Kirsten Thurkelson. Check that out at goodtrashmedia.com. We'd love to see your feedback in the comment section there below for that. Now, we need to warn you, dear listener, this is not a review show. It's an analysis show. I don't think anyone gives a rip about spoilers, but we're going to be spoiling this movie. There's a giant spider. I don't care. I'm going to spoil it right now. But we'll try to avoid them just... Generally, as we move our way out of uh, our thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. So what you need to watch out for is business time, because when we get down to business and we get down to analysis, that's when the spoilers happen. You have been warned. Before we get into those reviews, though, let's have a synopsis from the voice of the Dollar Theater, Mr. Dalton Stewart. The two best hired guns in the West must save President Grant from the clutches of a 19th century inventor villain. Big Willie style. When did uh, Ulysses S. Grant become the voice of the Dollar Theater? Oh, thanks, man. You know, that's fair. It sounds like yeah. Ulysses S. Grant from this film. You Basically. really do. Kevin, Kevin Klein as Grant. Uh, me as Kevin Klein doing President Grant. Thank you. That's fun stuff. So there you go, dear listener. Now you know a little bit about what the movie is about. It's sort of steampunky. It's sort of Western. It's sort of a lot of stuff. Let's give those quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews and get our initial impressions about the film. I go to you first, Miss Alexander Bohannon. What have you to say? Uh, this movie's bad, and that's fine, I guess. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> this movie is just bonkers, doesn't make sense, 
racist at times, misogynist at times, ableist at times, or a lot of the time. It's misogynist and ableist most of well, the time. Well, okay, that that's very true. Um, and Kenneth Braun is racist. Right. Yes, he is. But I one thing, racism-wise, I did find it cool that Will Smith's character, he everyone tries to put him in that role of being you know, a black man during this time of reconstruction and everything. And he, you know, keeps thwarting that image, which I found was Mm -hmm. interesting. Um, Then of course you get into the Africa scene and then it's like, Oh, well there you go. Um, I don't, this this movie is just, it's bad in, in a way that I kind of enjoy and I kind of hate myself about it. And that's basically my review. All right, thank you very much for that, Miss <laughs> Alexander Bohannon. Mr. Caleb Masters, what do you have to say in terms of thumbs up, thumbs down review? Uh, well, this is just a Wild Wild West is an unapologetic piece of uh, late 90s studio Hollywood at its worst, question mark. I mean, because I had a lot of fun sometimes, and I felt, like Alex, I felt kind of bad about it. I'll tell you what, uh, Dustin, I really wish I could have been in the pit- pitching session for this film. Like, what would that have been like? So, right, right, we're going to, like, set this in a Reconstructionist time period with steampunk and giant spiders and a guy without a penis. The term is, I have learned, cattle punk. Cattle punk? I learned that today. Wow. cattle punk. No, it's steampunk. Those people are idiots. (laughs) But specifically because it takes place in a... Yeah, steampunk takes place in the late 1800s. Cowboys were there, too. That's dumb. Whoever invented that was dumb. You're not dumb, Kirsten. Talk to the smart. people at tvtropes.org. I don't know what to tell Whoever you. Whoever wrote that TV Tropes article is an idiot. That's going to fit right with my analysis later. But uh, <laughs> regard, uh, <laughs> It's aside. just steampunk. Uh, that said, Will Smith and Kevin Klein have, a, have an enjoyable chemistry, and Kenneth Branagh looks like he's having a real blast. So there's, a, there's some fun to be had there. Uh, pacing's really messy. I really wanted this movie to be over when it was over. I was like, God. the party halfway through was kind of hilarious. I, I, I'm going to... I feel kind of bad, but the the joke about the drums on the boobs were it was kind of hilarious. But I felt bad for laughing at it. <laughs> like I was, it's, it's funny, but it's so racist. Probably I don't I, even. Uh, I, I, I was conflicted. I'll, I'll, I'll defend you on that, Kale. But Will Smith trying to talk his way out of trouble is it was always, hilarious. Is really yeah. funny. Where are you from? Georgia. Yeah, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> where, where, where I'm from, uh, which Africa, is, which is actually like the that, funnier version of that joke. Where I'm from, Georgia. Like that's yeah that's yeah, yeah that was good well yeah. and the and the redneck joke was lots of fun too you know red it's bold you know uh, fire passion yeah anyway so that really the movie kind of climaxed for me about halfway through at the party scene where I, la- I laughed quite a lot as soon as you got to the part where they're running around in the desert with the collars I I, I checked out and was like let's end this yeah that's where about where I checked out too god damn there were no wrong answers in the pitch meetings for this movie none yeah oh, none. Jesus so yeah this movie was a giant mess that's uh about sums up my review Dustin well. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what do you have to say in brief thumbs up, thumbs down review? This movie is an absolute piece of fucking hot garbage. <laughs> yep. This is a bad movie. And I don't think anybody listening to this is surprised. Like, if you, oh, I never, I haven't seen uh, Wild Wild West in like uh, 10 years. I wonder if it uh, holds. No, it wasn't good when it came out in 1998. It's not good now. It's a bad movie. It's real bad. Uh, it's easily Barry Sommerfeld's worst film. It's easily Will Smith's worst film. And he was also in Men in Black 2. Uh, and Shark, uh, Shark Tale. Uh, it's easily Kevin Klein's worst film, and he's made some stinkers too. It's easily Kenneth Branagh's worst film, um, including the ones he directed. I'm preemptively giving this the Hebrew hammer. We'll, we'll see at the end of December um, if that opinion still holds, but this is a bad fucking movie. Um, now, I will say this. Uh, will Smith and Kevin Klein are a lot of fun together. Um, they have a really good uh, chemistry. They've got a fun back and forth. Uh, they, they play off of each other very well. Kenneth Branagh is having a blast. I mean, he's chewing the scenery uh, to no end, but he's having a lot of fun. And uh, I, I think the the put down sessions that him and Will Smith have together are actually some of the funniest moments of the movie. Um, now, whether or not those jokes are uh, problematic or not is definitely another question entirely. But uh, there, there's something very funny uh, about. Oh well, you know what they say. It's as uh, dark as before dawn. He's like, well, yeah, it would look that way from uh, uh, for a man of your stature. Like, those are really funny uh, jokes. Uh, I, I think, and again, they work because Kenneth Branagh and uh, Will Smith are having so much fun. Uh, but when everyone in this movie says it's the worst thing they've ever done, you know it's a bad movie. 
correct. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Miss Kirsten Thurkelson, what do you have to say in terms of your thumbs up, thumbs down review? Guys, I like this movie. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this movie at a time when I was much too young to know <laughs> what a bad movie looks like. Also, the, it's funny that you mentioned that... I'm too the, young to see the back of Will Smith's testicles. It's Yes. Okay, it's funny that you mentioned the thing with projecting through the guy's head to see the last thing you saw, the last thing he saw. And while, yes, it's goofy as hell that the movie is like, yes, this happens, um, they tried to do that. They actually tried to do that. Wait, seriously? Yeah, no, for real. That was a for real thing that scientists were like, oh, yeah, in theory, we could probably da-da-da-da-da and see the last thing that this person saw before they died. Like, it was like the idea that being that, like, eyes are basically cameras like they're they're like designed the same way which is kind of true um but you can't do that because that's not how eyeballs (laughs) that's not how eyeballs work um but yeah no they tried to do that so that's actually that's a real thing they didn't just make that up that makes me so Um, happy this movie's weirdly in some places historically accurate and in others this okay this is a clusterfuck back to the review this is a clusterfuck of a film but I don't hate it. It's goofy. It's it's offensive. Um, but a lot of it is pretty fun to watch. If you can, if you can kind of just like strap in for the ridiculousness of it. I don't hate this film. Well, there you go, dear listener. What I would say in terms of thumbs up, thumbs down review is, I hate this movie with the fire of a thousand suns. I want to stab out my eyeballs, then I want to stab out everyone's eyeballs who were involved in the production of this film. It is the worst thing. It's racist. It's, it's again, ableist. It is terrible on so many levels. Not only that, the plot itself is full of non-sequiturs and things that just don't make sense. Oh, yeah. It's just ridiculous bonkers. It's the, the, the idea was, we have big stars who have big names and also big special effects. And people are stupid enough, they, they will spend money to buy tickets did, and watch this film. Did you see the budget for this film? It was like $180 million in 1999. It was the most expensive thing Warner Brothers had ever made at the time. At the time, that's, uh, 1999, that is, that's, it was like another 10 years before that became like the norm. I do not doubt it. Now, I will say this. I was employed in my local theater at the time of the release of this film, and cleaning up the theater while the credits rolled with uh, Jim West, yeah, that's right, uh, that whole stuff going on, wah, wah, wicka, wah, wah, that was really, really fun, and that's about the only positive thing I have about to say about this film at all, is that that stupid song, which is a stupid song was very fun to don't let a, your lip react you don't want to see my hand where, where my, my hip, hip be at correct um <laughs> that was super 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 fun as i ran a leaf blower blowing popcorn down to the front of the theater so i could <laughs> oh my god oh where's where that Carnegie, oklahoma ladies and gentlemen <laughs> that's how we got it done folks anyway uh leaf that, blower? true facts i, I ran a leaf I blower i believe the fuck out of that hey, hey, hey dustin i got two words red and neck okay <laughs> red the color of fashion fashion neck i have nothing for neck that's which is again there are some jokes that They're land in this bits. movie i laugh a little bit it looks so cheap it's bad yeah. the costumes and the sets just look so cheap community but, theater circa 1986 or something <laughs> But there you go, dear listener. Now you know our biases. They are generally con. And uh, there you have it. We are going to move on, though, because as I look upon my watch, I realize it's time to play the game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. (laughs) That's right, dear listener. This week's game is our favorite television shows made into films. That's right. Favorite films based on television programs brought to you by Wild Wild West. Wild Wild West. Man lost his damn mind in the West. Loveless. <laughs> it's true. And there was a TV show, Wild Wild West, about two Secret Service agents working for Ulysses S. Grant. And, and it only ran for like, like four years. Yeah, but it was a thing. It's not even like it was that successful. It's, but that was back when Westerns on TV were a thing that everybody watched. Yeah, like Bonanza did really well. but well, Even like The Virginia and The Rifleman. There was like other like sort of more obscure things. That Have Gun, involved. Will Travel. That's a dope fucking show. I like that show. But dear listener, what we're going to do right now is we're going to list our favorite television series that were then 
cinematized. Well, the, the film adaptations of the yes, television programs. We, we're going we're gonna to love on the movie versions of the TV show. I go to you first, Mr. Dalton Stewart. What do you have to say? Well, uh, I, there's only one that I really unabashedly love, actually, and it's... Uh, oh, God. I'm bad at words. Sorry. Um, it's The Fugitive, starring uh, Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. It's fucking amazing. It's a great film. It's It's one of... The best thrillers from the early 90s. Uh, the performances in it are great. I mean, it, I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. Like, what more do you need? No, I, I mean, I do have a soft spot for um, Starsky and Hutch, which uh, is nothing like the television show, but I, I find very funny. Um, Jackass the movie is an audacious fucking gonzo masterpiece of weird craziness that I cannot believe was made into a film. Um, but the only one that I, like, really unabashedly love is The Fugitive. So that's that's my answer, Dustin. All right, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Caleb Masters, what are your selections? Yeah, I've got a couple. Uh, more, more, uh, one of the more is the adaptation of 21 Jump Street starring uh, Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill because that was that movie's a lot of fun. Uh, a lot more fun than I expected it to be. I did not expect that movie to be good at all. And that was back before Channing Tatum. He was still trying to break out of that whole like heartthrob thing. And that was actually probably the beginning of his breakout of the heartthrob kind of image that he had put on uh, up until that point. So, uh, tons of fun. Self-referential, pokes fun at itself. Johnny Depp even makes a cameo. Tons of fun. I uh, highly recommend that. And then, of course, there's also the sequel, 22 Jump Street, which is literally the exact same movie. And they spend the entire movie reminding you that it's the same movie. Uh, secondly, The Muppets. Any of them. All of them. There's like a million films. There's The Muppet Movie. There's... Muppet Treasure Island, there's a Muppet Christmas Carol, there's the most recent adaption of the two uh, adaptations of the Muppets. So you have the Muppet movie starring uh, starring Jason Segel, uh, and then you've got the Muppets Most Wanted, which was also pretty recent. Both of them are great. Uh, the, the, the Muppet movies are just lots of fun. Again, very self-referential uh, parodies of pop culture that I think you should check out. And lastly... Have to go with South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. Oh man, I forgot oh, about that one. That movie's so good. It's so good. It still holds up really well, despite it the fact sure that it, it was commentary about the late 90s, but like the things they're talking about in that film are still super relevant and still super funny if you were still kind of vaguely aware of what was going on in like uh, politics and pop culture at the time. So I, I'm actually quite frankly surprised we haven't seen more South Park movies uh, because the show is still super popular. Uh, but yeah, those would be my picks, Dustin. All right, thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Miss Kirsten Thurkelson, what are your selections? <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, my answers for the game. I actually, I haven't seen this movie in a really long time, but at the time, I remember really liking it. The Brady Bunch movie uh, that got made. That That's was fun. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, uh, Gary Cole, and it's got a great cast. Yeah, no, it does, and I, I really liked it when it came out. Um, and then, if, <laughs> if you, if you know me, <laughs> or if you're sitting in this room right now and can see what I'm wearing, you're completely unsurprised. The Adams Family. Also. Yeah, there you go. It's a really good surprising one. Kirsten yeah. is <laughs> cosplaying today as Wednesday Adams. Like Wednesday Tuesday. meets Morticia. Yeah. Is it Tuesday or Wednesday? It's like, a, it's like a combination. It's thereof. Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay. I mean, it's Sunday, but. Oh, boo. <laughs> Shame. Thank you very much, Miss Kirsten Thurgelson. Ms. Alexander Bohannon, what are your selections? My selections outside of all of those Nickelodeon, Disney Channel, made-for-TV movies that, you know, kids that are my age probably watch, like Spongebob. I mean, Spongebob got its full-length feature. It's not my favorite movie by a stretch, um, but all of those. Um, my selections outside of that would be Monty Python. Obviously, their flying circus then spinned off a whole slew of delightful films, Life of Brian, um, Holy Grail, um, oh, meaning of, of life. life. I always get, yes. I always tangle meaning of life because I hear life of Brian and I'm, and I say, wait, didn't I just say that film title? And then I hadn't. Um, Me- meaning of life of Brian. Meaning of life of Brian. The life of Brian of meaning. Anyway, I would also suggest a, a 2015 movie, Shaun the Sheep. That show is a treat. It, it's a claymation show about a sheep and a farmer and it's so British and it's just so charming and you just can't get over it. And the movie is essentially a silent movie. There's no, there's maybe a handful of lines. Most of the time it's just people making noise um, and animals making noise. It's just, a, it's a masterpiece. I'm concerned. I'm and it deserves its Oscar nomination, I believe. But yes, those are my picks. 
Thank you very much, Miss Alexandra Bohannon. Uh, what I would say in terms of my selections, I must name the original cast Star Trek films. Um, again, I, especially uh, after, I mean, it's, it's weird, you know, Simon Pegg makes a joke about the even-numbered films uh, being the only ones that are any good. And there's something to that, although the Whales one, That's episode what I was about to say, four. Really? It's the fourth one, right? Yeah, I, I like two, and I like three a lot. I don't like one very much. It's, it tries very hard to be 2001 A Space Odyssey. I don't like the one with not Sean Connery uh, trying to find God, but uh, which is just so dumb. But I love The Undiscovered Country. It is, it is probably, I mean, I think it's an essential film uh, for the day and age in which we live. So I like that a lot, and it plays into all my nostalgia and all of those things. But my favorite television adaptation into film is from my favorite television series. Um, which is Twin Peaks, and so I love Firewalk With Me. Booed off the stage at Cannes when it premiered because it's so obtuse and it's so inside and what have you and whatnot. You have to sort it of premiered at Cannes. Oh yeah, everything Lynch does premieres at Cannes anymore. All right. And uh, it was booed off the stage, and then the next year he won the Palm d'Or for Wild at Heart. So go figure. Uh, but yeah, the world is weird, is it not? But uh, I like that movie a lot. Um, I like uh, the the replacement actress of Moira Kelly uh, going on in that film, trying to you know sort of shore up some places of the film and explaining more of what's going on with Mr. Leland Palmer and the disappearance of his daughter Laura. So it's a film I like a lot, and I recommend it very, very highly. Thank you for that great gameplay, dear co-host. Now we move on. I see my watch, and I realize it's time to get down to business. It's business. It's business time. I know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. That's right, dear listener, and that business in question is analysis, and we are so glad to be bringing that to your ears right here, right now, about Wild Wild West. Mr. Caleb Masters, what analysis do you have? Uh, well, I want to talk a little bit about steampunk technology and the impact and influence it's had on Hollywood, because uh, uh, it's kind of a, a key deal here. It's all about the, the, the entire aesthetic, or I guess as we're cowpunk. Is that what we're calling it? Cattle, Cattle punk. punk. Cattle punk. You don't have to call it that. I'm Dalton's that. very I, upset. I, I, no, no, I, I've never heard that term. I did in-depth research on this. That's, it's steam cattle diesel punk. I am calling shenanigans on that term. So um, <laughs> to do it, give a little definition for the listener, I mean, you're probably v- vaguely familiar with the term steampunk. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you're you know, f- if you're familiar. Um, but just for the uninitiated, uh, steampunk is a subgenre of science fiction and sometimes fantasy that incorporates technology and aesthetic d- designs inspired by 19th century industrial st- steampunk powered machinery so pretty self-explanatory uh now the term uh, despite the fact it's seeming like it's been around for a while uh wasn't coined until actually the 1980s officially um but the idea of uh using steam as an alternative uh, source of energy can actually be traced back to the likes of jules verne hd wells and mary shelley uh the idea started in literature but quickly moved over into art architecture designs and eventually film uh, with with uh, speaking of Jules Verne's, one of the first heavy incorporations of the style uh, being in 1953's Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Uh, while the Disney's uh, hit film was one of the first times to, to use that aesthetic, uh, it really uh, became mainstream uh, with the use of steampunk in the 1965 TV show The Wild Wild West, which was the film. Uh, obviously, how we tied the film. Uh, now, in the film Wild Wild West, uh, both Dr. Loveless and Artemis, not to be confused with uh, Arthur Gordon, uh, are considered uh, uh, cutting-edge inventors, and they both utilize the steampunk theme technology. Uh, Dr. Loveless's spider fortress is the most striking use of the tech, uh, but even the train the flying machine are reflective of that kind of iconic uh, design philosophy, which is also very much associated with uh, some of the Da Vinci's designs as well. And now the film is present. I, I do think the film is presenting an interesting notion by making the ultra conservative Confederate madman uh, being highly progressive in his endorsement of uh, te- this type of technology. And in many ways, I did find it uh, to be uh, playing as a little bit of a warning against uh, progressive militarism and charismatic leaders, uh, a la like the likes of Hitler type thing. Um, 
I think the use of steampunk in this film, there's a lot more to be read there, but that's another that's a rabbit hole for another day. Uh, now, with steampunk becoming the mo- more, more more prominent in the 60s and 70s, uh, it really became hugely influential in shaping the science fiction and fantasy we know today. Uh, Doctor Who, which is another really, uh, really unsung uh, influence in science fiction. I mean, like, literally so many films and other TV shows borrow ideas that come from Doctor Who. Whether or not you like Doctor Who, I think it's kind of hard to uh, denounce its uh, importance in, in contemporary science fiction. Um, uh, but he... Embrace the notion, uh, particularly more most recent seasons. Uh, Hayao Miyazaki, who is the most popular anime filmmaker in the West, has utilized the style several times on his films, including Castle in the Sky and Howl's Moving Castle, most notably. And there are still several uh, several traces of steampunk technology, even the likes of uh, Blade Runner and uh, the, the film we recently discussed earlier this year during Anti-Trash Month, Brazil. Uh, its impact doesn't stop uh, stop with film, but is also kind of broken through the, it's the mainstream to some uh, to some extent with video games like Final Fantasy and Bioshock Infinite. Uh, now, while steampunk uh, is not quote unquote mainstream, uh, its presence is undeniable. Uh, there's hardly a film in the genre featuring an alternate future. Uh, where steampunk is not a huge influence. So much like we discussed uh, with in our, in our uh, kind of roundtable discussion of the Holy Mountain, it's uh, really uh, steampunk is the underlying idea that has gone on to inspire other films, has taken those uh, those ideas a lot more mainstream and more digestible to the average audience. Uh, but still, super, super influential. Thank you very much, Mr. Caleb Masters, for that analysis. Miss Alexander Bohannon, what analysis do you offer? Today I'm going to discuss Will Smith as, as an actor who's kind of become a commodity in terms of his image, in, in terms of the particular roles he's taken on. I've seen, many, I've seen much of his oeuvre, and I've been noticing some patterns, particularly around his successes and failures in the films he selects. And I'm arguing today that Smith's most successful movies, the movies that we most identify him with, and the box office successes are the ones in which he is typecast as, you guessed it, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. As a reminder, The Fresh Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was a sitcom in the early to mid-90s that starred Will Smith as a troubled youth sent to live with his wealthy aunt and uncle in California. In this this sitcom, Smith's character was a hero, the realist, the somewhat goofy guy that got all the ladies, the doer, the go-getter, the one-liner deliverer, the guy that didn't take crap from anyone or follow the rules, which played in contrast to his foil of a cousin, Carlton. Will Smith's most successful, successful and memorable roles are all with him playing the same character archetype. Men in Black, Independence Day, iRobot, Bad Boys 2, and Wild West are all him playing this Fresh Prince archetype. He tries to transition from this archetype using I Am Legend. And now he's trying his best to formally get out of it now that he is not in the age demographic where it is appropriate for him to act in this manner. He's now struggling with him, with his identity as an actor in his image. The issue that Schwarzenegger, Norris, Mr. T, and all the other actors in the A-team are also now suffering. Having not seen Concussion, is this the next step in Will Smith's career? Considering that Men in Black 3 happened in 2012 and he signed on for Bad Boys 3 and Bad Boys 4 to happen in 2017 and 2019, probably not. Thank you very much for that, Miss Alexander Bohannon. More information on Will Smith the Star will follow later. Alex, are you an actual literal genius? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Well, Mr. Dalton Stewart, what analysis are you bringing today? All right, so let's talk about Reconstruction, shall we, since that's uh, when this movie is set. Now, for uh, our our listeners who aren't in the know, uh, I I will very briefly uh, relate what what the fuck I'm talking about. Uh, The Reconstruction or Reconstruction era uh, refers to uh, the period of 1965, or I'm sorry, 1865 to 1877, uh, in which uh, the United States was desperately trying to piece itself back together uh, and reintegrate the South uh, following the conclusion of the Civil War. Uh, we failed badly in a big fucking way. Um, and as a country, we have <clears throat> continued to fail uh, to acknowledge um, the importance uh, of the Reconstruction era, but also... Um, just how badly we fucked it up. Uh, Because we're talking about something that happened 150 years ago, um, and the political repercussions uh, of the Reconstruction uh, continue to reverberate uh, 
and I think a large part of that has to do with our failure to acknowledge its uh, seriousness uh, and a failure to acknowledge that we dropped the ball. Um, and if you don't believe me, go ahead and briefly look at um, a map, uh, a blue and red map of the United States uh, showing you uh, how states vote when it comes to presidential elections and look at the hard line uh, at the Mason-Dixon between red and blue, and you will see that we failed miserably to reintroduce uh, the Southern United's, the Confederate States of America to the United States of America because there is a hard line in the sand. Uh, and a complete and utter failure for either side to understand one another. And yes, while one side in that conflict was morally superior to the other, uh, just because they didn't want to own human beings, does not mean they were morally superior in the 20 to 30 years following the end of the Civil War. Uh, because the North treated the South like a hot bag of dog shit, to be quite frank about it. And, you know, understandably, uh, they actively and openly seceded from the United States in an armed sedition, uh, gussied up as a political movement. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's certainly understandable, especially the, the death toll that the war caused. Um, but carpetbaggers was a real thing, man. You know... Uh, uh, people like to th- jokingly throw around carpetbagger anytime somebody from the north um, tries to do anything in the south uh, as somebody from the south adjacent. Um, but it was a real thing. I mean, there were profiteers who uh, moved to the south um, and price gouged the shit out of rebuilding materials. Uh, you got to remember, Sherman burnt half of fucking Georgia. Uh, there was a significant amount of construction that needed to happen. Uh, and there were business-minded folks and capitalists from the northern United States who moved down to the south and um, actively made money off of the pain of people who had nothing to do in this war. If you lived in Alabama and thought slavery was immoral, odds are you probably weren't able to uh, move to Maryland even if you fucking wanted to. Um, I, I, You know... As somebody who's from the South, I feel the need to to stick up for it uh, as a liberal from the South. Um, guess what? Not everybody down here uh, think is a, is a racist. Uh, in fact, there are plenty of people from the South who are not racists. Um, and I think Wild Wild West falls into the trap of uh, demonizing the South and refusing to admit that the country had a real bad uh, patch 150 years ago uh, and never got over it. Um, because uh, go throw a rock. Uh, we live in central Oklahoma. Uh, go throw a rock, and if you throw it hard enough, odds are you're going to hit somebody who owns a Confederate flag. Um, this wasn't even a state, for the record, uh, when the Civil War happened, but w- there was a complete and utter failure to to reintegrate um, half of the country. Um, and it's a real shame, because it led to Jim Crow, it led to segregation laws, uh, it has led to uh, police violence that has gone unchecked. And again, um, I'm not the only one who thinks this, listener. If you think I sound like a fucking crazy person, there are people smarter than me that will tell you the Reconstruction had a direct coral- has a direct historical correlation to things that are happening in 2016. But uh, back to my point. Wild Wild West uh, continues to propagate this because guess what? The only bad guy in this movie uh, is a Confederate or two Confederate uh, uh, veterans. The only bad guys in this movie. Everybody else uh, is completely racially progressive. Uh, and, and again, historically speaking, that, that was fairly accurate. President Grant was like hardcore about uh, protecting uh, freed uh, African Americans after the end of the Civil War. Um, so that's not historically inaccurate, for the record. Um, but guess what? There are plenty of racists in the North. Um, don't, don't think just because slavery ended, uh, people were real gung-ho uh, about letting black people have the same rights that white people had. Did you see Lincoln? It was all about uh, how hard it was going to be to get uh, black people the right to vote uh, after the end of the war. Guess what? It was real fucking hard. Uh, and I'll tell you right now, uh, a, having a U.S. Army colonel as a special investigator to the president in 1869, not going to happen. Not going to fucking happen. Don't even think about it. It's not going to happen. The North was not free of sin in the treatment of African Americans following the Civil War. Uh, and you can't just uh, kill Kenneth Branagh and make all of these this country's problems go away, because guess what? There was no one bad guy. It was a system of oppression and a system of indifference and a system of failure uh, that led to the way um, African Americans were treated during, before, before, during, and after the Civil War. 
Sorry, guys. Uh, it's more complicated than uh, anyone wants to admit, and it's a real fucking problem. And until we admit um, that our history is full of bad shit on both sides of any issue, we are going to continue to fail. Thank you very much for that socio-historical analysis, Mr. Dalton Stewart. I appreciate it greatly. Ms. Kirsten Thurgelson, what analysis do you bring? Hey, guys. Uh, today we're going to talk about cult film. And I initially set out to argue uh, why this film should have been a, a cult film, but now I'm going to argue that it's not for good reason. <laughs> um, oh, also, the, whenever I sat down to watch the... It's funny that you... It's not funny that you mentioned Reconstruction. It's terrible, terrible time. Um, I realized whenever I was watching this, like, God, what, 15 years later now, mm-hmm. um, I was like, wow, there's a lot of racial overtones. Oh, not, not God, not even overtones, just, just like blatant like racial kind, just tones. Anybody um, else notice that the... Like way over my head as a kid. Speaking of, the only black person in this movie that's not Will Smith is a girl that he's fucking. Anybody else notice that? Yeah, I did yeah. notice that. Uh, and the only other person of color other than Will Smith and that girl is uh, Selma Hayek, who uh, both... Uh, Kevin Klein and Will Smith are trying to fuck. I'm not going to defend how <laughs> how how pretty blatantly uh racist both both just the film content and also the uh the the entirety of its production. We we won't we <laughs> it's been thoroughly addressed. Um anyway, listener, uh today I want to talk to you about cult film. Um so this film comes very close to to like it, you watch it and it's just so campy and ridiculous that I, I was a bit surprised upon rewatch that it never really attained that cult status. Um, so let's talk about what makes a cult film because it's not it's not particularly cut and dry. Um, it's kind of it's kind of hard and you have you have studios now trying to intentionally create cult films like with snakes on a plane. Um, and they sort of found out that it's not that easy and formulaic. It's kind of a cult film almost happens as an anomaly of what people like. They they sort of it's it's difficult to predict what people are going to latch onto and say, "No, this film is great and worth watching and I will defend it tooth and nail." So some of the some of the science behind behind cult films um there's a few uh types of cult film rather um so you have uh things regarded as as B and genre films which is basically just sort of anything that had a very low budget um but got made anyway um or anything that would fall into like horror or science fiction, think like Plan Nine from Outer Space, um, that kind of thing. And this film, this film doesn't really fall there um, so much. Uh, then you have arts and exploitation, which are think of anything, anything that Tarantino's ever done, um, anything with a lot of uh, just, just gratuitous violence or gore anything anything in that in that sort of realm um another thing that can make a a film a cult film um is when it plays to nostalgia um so jean hughes films um largely fall in that category they weren't particularly um they didn't make a lot of money at the time, but they now make all of the money because everyone everyone has seen, you know, Sixteen Candles, Pretty in Pink. It just sort of touches a nerve in America's heart, um, and so that brings us brings us to sort of uh, the last the last two styles of of cult film, um, which are uh, camp films. Which this this movie should have been. It wants to be. It wants to be. Well. And okay, this this here's another reason that I <laughs> I actually really like this movie in spite of itself. Um, it went through it went through production hell. Um, this movie was in the making since I think like 1992. I want to say it cost part of the reason it cost them so much money is that they had to refilm so much of it. But this this film should they should have it's just a clusterfuck. They should have just leaned so much more into the camp of it. And you can tell that it wants to, but it just doesn't quite go hard enough. It doesn't quite get there. Um, and then the next, but it, the, but the thing is, is that it also falls short of the last category, the so bad it's good film. It doesn't make it there either because it's also afraid. 
it's afraid to be so over the top that it almost qualifies as bad. It's 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 bad, but it's not bad enough, I guess, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, I mean, you the the ingredients are all there to make a cult film that sticks around. But nobody nobody remember for some reason. I mean, the people who remember this film just, I mean, absolutely hate it. Um, but yeah, uh, Wild Wild West. Should have, should have, just a missed opportunity all around. It could, it wasn't big enough to be a blockbuster the way that they clearly wanted it to be based on the market tie-ins, and it just couldn't be as bad as it needed to be to stick around. The cult film that almost could. But the the cult film that almost could. But then it couldn't, and that's too bad. And I wanted it to be because I actually, re- again, I really just, I can't let go of this partially because I just enjoyed it so much at a time when I didn't know what a bad movie looked like. That is fair enough. Thank you very much for that, Miss Kirsten Thurkelson. Now, I want to talk about some of the things that Alex was talking about a little while ago Woo. regarding the character of Will Smith playing, again, sort of the French Prince of Bel-Air in all things. Uh, Richard Dyer has done a lot of work in star studies and film studies, and uh, one of the things he talks about is the auteurship of the movie star, that you don't necessarily have to necessarily lean on the director or the screenwriter or even producers to find auteurs, um, certain themes, and those kind of things. But you can also lean on the performances of certain actors. And one thing that happens during this period of the 90s into the early 2000s aughts is that you see Will Smith movies. And they all have a particular look. They all have a particular set of themes. And they all tend to, again... um, make the same sort of use of Will Smith's performance where he gives a line that he always gives in every film. I'm about to say a word I never say, but this is the line he always gives, right? Ready? Oh, hell no. Right? This is what yes. always happens. Yep. Now, part of this is Will Smith's working with his agent to make sure that he does indeed become a movie star. Uh, I read an article in an Entertainment Weekly in a dentist office at some point in the 90s about this, and I still remember the article, in which Smith was talking about how he was going to succeed as an actor, and he looked at the biggest grossing films of the 80s, and they were overwhelmingly special effects, comedy, um, blockbuster-style films. And so he overwhelmingly chose and sort of went for roles in movies like Independence Day, Men in Black, uh, the Bad Boys films, and uh, those kind of things where he could, again, play off of some of his own strengths and sort of, again, his own star persona, which is not the same thing as his actual personality as a human being, and uh, construct these roles. And so when you're looking at, say, Men in Black, or you're looking at Independence Day or uh, Bad Boys, you're not looking at Michael Bay films, you're not looking at Roland Emmerich films, you're looking at Will Smith films, that you can actually begin to trace those uh, sort of connections in a very, very different sort of way. And so auteurism becomes a much more elastic sort of concept that becomes helpful, I think, uh, in understanding what's going on with film and film studies. And you could do the same thing with a great many other actors. John Wayne is an easy example, Clint Eastwood would be another. Steven Seagal movies, those are all those things as well. The last thing I want to talk about is sort of a caveat off of just something I've been thinking about with this film, which is the use of the magnetic collars. There was this terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible 90s film with Rudger Hauer called Wedlock. I don't know if anybody ever saw it, but it was a prison in which uh, you wore these little necklaces uh, that had bombs in them, and you were connected to some other person, and Rudger Hauer and you know some... Um, nubile woman was uh, <laughs> attached to one another. In, Hated hearing that. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, it, it, were attached to one another and they sort of try to make an escape and that kind of stuff. And it was very, very reminiscent of that. I don't know if anybody else has actually seen that film, but it's not very good. But I remember thinking of how much I'd rather be watching it when I was watching Wild Wild West. So there you go, dear listener. A little O-Tourism, a little Star Studies, and a little bit of weird uh, late... Uh, 80s, basically, it's 91, but late 80s uh, action film making. Let's move on, though. We're going to get to a point where we're going to render a verdict about this film, but before we get into that, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Good Trash Genrecast is brought to you in part by SadMenForLonelyWomen.com. Have you ever found yourself yearning for the glorious moments of your past? I know I have, but we can't offer that to you. But we can give you the next best thing, The Beginner's Guide to Loneliness, a collection of the most shared, viewed, and favorited articles from sadmenforlonelywomen.com. The Beginner's Guide to Loneliness is available over at Amazon.com. Pick up your copy today.
That's right, it's time for the verdict. Shelf or trash, Elser instead. I am so excited to hear what's going to surprise no one uh, throughout uh, the course. <laughs> Real nail-biter here, Dustin. Uh, I love that my seat. But I, I'm more interested in the Elses or insteads and how the syllabus gets longer. I go to you first, Caleb Masters. What do you say? Oh, okay. Question trash. You want to know what I'm going to recommend instead, which is another studio disaster set in the West, which was actually significantly better, and that was Cowboys and Aliens. Not an awesome movie. I didn't hate it. I really didn't hate it a lot. I actually liked it quite a lot more than I expected I ever would. It's not great, but at least it's a successful train crash. To go along with my steampunk analysis, uh, Atlantis the Lost Empire, because uh, cool. if you want to see some cool steampunk art design, that movie is all over that. Uh, Firefly, if you want to see another sci-fi western set more in space. And lastly, if you're going to go along with Dustin and Alex's analysis, if you're going to pick, and, to, and to, to cap off, Fresh Prince February. If you're going to pick one blockbuster to watch from Will Smith, you have two options, really. Really, just two options. Men in Black or Independence Day. That's all you need. Those are the only two blockbuster Will Smiths you need. He's got good dramatic roles. Those are fine. If you're gonna if you're gonna celebrate Fresh Prince February, watch one of those two movies, and that's about all I got, Dustin. Thank you very much, Mr. Caleb Masters, Miss Alexandra Bohannon. What do you select? Well, uh, first of all, I mean, I'm gonna trash the film. Uh, that's pretty fair. There's really no value here. Watch the trailer, um, and that's fine. I would say for my instead, another couple of movies that are probably equally as racist coming from the same time period and is a Western, uh, Shanghai Noon. Uh, I love me some Jackie Chan, but I definitely love Shanghai Noon and its sequel, Shanghai Nights, much better than this movie. So much more fun. Those movies are fun, and I know they're hot garbage. Um, I would also recommend to you, if you want a movie based on a slightly uh, campy TV show in a recent release, The Man from Uncle. Also, not the best movie. It was super fun, though, in the theater. And uh, apparently, it's based on a long running uh, British television show. Last but not least, I guess if you, again, want, you know, your Will Smith recommendation, I would also. Uh, agree with Mr. Masters and say that you're going to go with your men in black if you want this kind of Will Smith experience um, because it doesn't it, you you want the mix of campy action um, things that aren't really uh, problematic and actually have a plot that makes sense so those would be my recommendations Thank you very much Miss Alexandra Bohannon Mr. Dalton Stewart, what do you say? Show for trash, else or instead? Uh, what do you think? Uh, Don't be mad at me. That's my job to ask the question. Why didn't we watch Men in Black instead of this? I know. Um, And fuck this movie. Um, You know what you should watch instead? There are better Western comedies. Uh, Two Mules for Sister Sarah, um, which is fantastic, uh, starring uh, Clint Eastwood and Shirley MacLaine. Uh, Probably the best uh, Western comedy. Um, A comedy that's dressed up like a Western, Blazing Saddles. Uh, Maverick, uh, starring Mel Gibson, directed by Richard Donner, who were actually originally attached uh, to Wild Wild West, the movie. Um, a better Western comedy based on a 60s television show, Maverick. Um, way better than this movie. Um, there are better Will Smith movies. In fact, I would say every single movie we've watched uh, for this month is better than Wild Wild West. Uh, Bagger Vance. Vance. I didn't watch Bagger Back Vance. Back off, sucker. I didn't watch Bagger Vance. Uh, everyone that I've watched is better than this. Um, I will never watch Wild Wild West <laughs> again for the rest of my life. I'm holding to that right now, Dalton. That is on a the solemn air right vow. Now. Death before dishonor. I will fucking jam myself in the jugular with a shard of glass before I watch this movie again. Miss <laughs> Kirsten Thurkelson, what is your selection? You are so overly dramatic. I'm just so annoyed by this movie. <laughs> um. Okay. I do. I admit that I do not own this film, but I did try to buy it for this purpose. Um. Because it's four dollars on Amazon, but it wasn't going to get here in time. It. This movie costs nothing for having cost so much to make it costs nothing to because own. it's worth nothing <laughs> i don't think that this movie is that bad and i think that if you just really want to like hang out and watch a train wreck maybe pick up some knitting um this is not a terrible film to do that to um oh uh elsa instead um the uh the sherlock films the sure the sure the the Johnny or the someone said Johnny Depp, the uh, no. Robert Downey Jr. Yes, yeah. the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock movies. Um, if you want, kind of the, the I mean, the, this movie similar is vibe. very much a similar vibe. Um, 
And yeah, um, in in what Dalton said about uh, if you want a better buddy cop movie, uh, The Other Guys. All right. Thank you very much, Miss Kirsten Thurkelson. I am going to say trash. I'm going to say trash, then burn, then eject into the sun. I'm going to say I don't want this movie to exist. I don't ever want to see this movie again. I don't want ever to speak of this movie again. It's problematic and it's not worth your time. My recommendation for what else is Anything, everything, every other movie, anything but this. I hate it that much. I'm done. Moving on. Sorry. Wow. Uh, what we're going to do now is uh, talk a little bit about social media and where we can be found. Uh, one of those places is on the interwebs that Alex is going to talk to us about right now. Sure thing, Dustin. You can find us at our parent website at goodtrashmedia.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash good trash media and you can find us at twitter at good underscore trash miss kirsten thurgelson we're going to ask a little bit about you about where you could be found since you're not a regular co-host on the show we know where the frightful femme can be found at good trash media but where else are you on the interwebs um i am also available via the twitters um i am at cranston that's k-r-a-n-s-t-i-n uh, next week and next month, we begin a brand new marathon. One of our Patreon uh, bits of swag that we offer for our patrons is uh, you get to pick a marathon. Mr. Brigham P- Cole has met that particular quantifiable amount by which one gets to make that selection and is therefore required of us next month to look at nothing but anime films. Dalton is very excited about this. and Oh, I'm is, just thrilled. He's the most enthused of us all. Hey, I'm actually excited. We get to talk about anime. You suckers haven't talked about anime yet uh but therefore and there how we are going to then be watching the film nausicaa next week uh, again thank you brigham cole for your patronage uh so therefore uh, we're going to be doing that if you want to become a patron yourself check out the patreon link at goodtrashmedia.com and donate and help make this thing that we're listening to right now keep on happening because this thing is about furthering conversation because movies are so much more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn there's so much more fun to be had and that fun is to be had in the conversation conversation that follows thereafter so have a conversation and we'll see you all next time the good trash genre cast is produced and edited by arthur gordon direction by dustin sells social media by alexandra bohannon caleb masters and dalton stewart our intro and outro is night call by kavinsky and lovebox we are also proud to feature music from deer kick this week on the program For more information on this episode of the Good Trash Genrecast, as well as the rest of the Good Trash Media family, please visit goodtrashmedia.com.